big people, as, as they would call you upstairs. Uh, I, I'm always thankful for an opportunity to come down here and, and to be with you guys this morning. Um, we're going to be in, in our Bibles this morning in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is the passage that we're going to be reading from this morning, and we're going to continue um, in our series, uh, our Follow Me series from, from Pastor Michael. And today, uh, we're going to be talking uh, in our all-in series from Pastor Michael. And today, we're going to be talking about the idea of two words that Jesus uses repeatedly uh, throughout the New Testament as he's interacting with people. It's two simple words. It's two words that we've all heard or seen before. Two words where he says repeatedly to people, he says, follow me. A call that he gives to people throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels that we see this idea of following me. And this morning, I want us to take a, uh, take a look at this story of Jesus calling his disciples. And I believe what we'll see is we'll see that all in begins with these two simple words, follow me. But from there, it changes everything. Now, the idea of following someone is something that we are all familiar with. When I, when I first, first moved to New Orleans, I... Um, I encountered something that I, I had never really seen before, something that I had never really experienced before, and it was while I was driving. Um, I'm from Alabama, and so, you know, uh, us, uh, us country rednecks in Alabama, you know, we don't have some of the fancy, the fancier things that you Louisiani, Lu, Louisianians, people, you people from Louisiana have. And um, we, we can't even do grammar right in, in, in Alabama, man. It's, it's sad. And so I was driving um, to a friend's house and they had told me we, we left here one morning. We were here at Calvary on a Sunday and we left after church and they said, hey, uh, follow me to so-and-so's house. We're going to go, you know, to, to this person's house for lunch. I said, I don't know where it is. Um, and they said, no worries, just follow me. And that always ends up going great. And so we leave from here and I kid you not, you know, uh, 40 yards from here, there's a red light, and you turn left at the red light, and you go through it, and then on the other side of this left turn that you make, you cross the neutral ground, and there is another red light, and um, those don't exist in Alabama, at least not to my knowledge. I, you know, if you turn left, you just kind of go through, and you're good, and so we pull up to this other light, and I'm confronted with this second red light, and of course, the guy in front of me, he continues on and carries through, and again, remember, I have no idea where I'm going. I've been here for a very short amount of time, and so the light turns very clearly red. And I had a choice to make. Do I follow this person in front of me, or do I stop and sit at this red light and not know where I am and not know how to continue? And I'm not even really sure what I'm doing at this red light. Why is there even a light here? And so I chose to go. <laughs> uh and I pulled through the red light, and everything was great. There were, you know, no cars around or anything like that, except one. <laughs> there was one car that I really kind of wish I would have noticed before I decided to pull through this red light. And um, we had an interesting chat together um, after I ran the red light. And I got pulled over, and the guy gives me a ticket. And I tried to explain to him, I'm, I'm, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm not from around here. I got confused, you know, like... And I kid you not, the, the very, very, very nice police officer looked at me and said, you didn't understand a red light? I was like, you got me there, never mind. I'll just take my ticket and carry on. Like I will, you know, uh, uh, no problem. And I'm thankful that we live in a time where with cell phones, I was able to get in touch with the people. But I deal with this situation and I get done and I get back in my car and I crank my car and I'm sitting there and the first thought that comes into my mind was, I have no idea where I'm going right now. The person that I was supposed to be following 
had left me. They had left me where I was to fend for myself and carried on with what they were doing. And so sometimes we think of follow me as like a simple thing, but a lot of times it can be more complicated than maybe we intend for it to be. We've all invited somebody to follow us, and this stuck out in my mind of following people where we know where we're going, and the person that is following us knows where we're going, and so follow me is more of a formality. It's more of just as you're leaving somewhere, you say, oh, hey, follow me. But you know that they know where they're going, and so you drive with no concern to whether they're behind you or not, because we're all going to the same spot, and they know how to get there. But what I want to talk to you about today is different than this kind of following that we may associate it with or we may think about. Because Jesus in his story, he calls to his disciples, four of them in particular here, and he says, follow me. And it's not a general idea of, hey, I'm going on a journey and I guess if you want to tag along, you can do it. It's not a general thought of, you know how to get there on your own, but I guess we can do it together. This is a call from Jesus. It's a call to go all in. It's a moment where they're faced with a decision to say, hey, are are we really going to be all about this or not? Are we really ready to commit to go all in and follow him? What I love about this story is it starts with two simple words of follow me, but then for the disciples, it changes everything. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read in verse 18 this morning a story that you are probably very familiar with, a story that you've probably heard many times and could tell back to me as easily as we read it together. It's Jesus calling his disciples, and it says, as he, verse 18, as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. Uh, They were casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Jesus said, that, said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee their father preparing their nets and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. We see the same story pop up again in Mark chapter 1. And when you read in Mark chapter 1, it's almost a a verbatim story. It's a story that follows word for word and copies this one with some, some minor adjustments. But this story rings true. And the thing that is the same in the both of them is Jesus using this call of follow me. Jesus going to these people who we may read this passage and we may think that it's a first time encounter, but what we see as we read on is that they were aware of who Jesus was. They had encountered him before, but we we think of it kind of in a weird way where someone walks up and says, follow me, but they knew who this guy was, but Jesus still calls them to a moment where he says, hey, it's time time to make a decision. Are you going to go all in and follow me or not? As we read this today, there's a couple of things that I think we can, we can learn about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to, to respond to this call of follow me. The first thing I think that we see, we see right off the bat is we see that, that follow me, that it demands a response. When Jesus approaches these men on the, along the side of the Sea of Galilee and he says, follow me, there's kind of a, a response that has to be given there. It would be weird if Jesus just walked up and said, follow me, and then turned around and walked in the other direction and never looked back to see if the guys had actually followed him or not. Follow me carries with it this idea, this demand for a response. 
And we see very quickly in this passage what the disciples' response is. We see that Peter and Andrew, their response is prompt. It's a response that happens immediately. We see that from both of them. We see a prompt response. Well, it says they were in the middle of fishing. They're in the middle of casting their nets. And Jesus walks by and he says, follow me. And it says immediately they put down what they're doing. They lay aside their own things and they begin to follow him. I think it's important to remember that as we go all in and as we follow Jesus, it demands a response. And, and, and there's something about this idea of this response being immediate, it being a prompt response. I mentioned it earlier, but we live in a, a wonderful world of, of cell phones and information and technology and all these things. And um, do you ever text someone and then just like sit and look at your phone and wait for them to text you back? And you see like the bubbles pop up and then they disappear and then they pop up again and then they disappear and they pop up and disappear. And you kind of sit there and you almost want to text the person immediately and be like, hey, either just answer me or be like, uh, I'll call you back in a minute, you know, type thing. Uh, like we get very impatient. We kind of want things to happen immediately. And when we don't get things in a prompt and immediate way, we can become frustrated with it. While I find myself on the other side, I, being a person who sometimes three, four days later in my brain will say, oh my gosh, I never responded to that. I totally forgot to send that back. I totally forgot to, to, to mention this or to do this thing. And I hope for grace in those moments, but when I, I'm looking for a response from someone, I want it to be immediate. I want it to be prompt. And there are times where I feel like what begins to happen to us is, you know, it seems to happen to me when people are asking me a question and I'm kind of back and forth on the answer is when I begin to delay, when I begin to drag my feet. It's when someone says, hey, um, can you do this? Hey, would you be willing to do this? Hey, what are you doing for this? Sometimes I begin to delay because I'm a little bit worried about like, well, if I say yes, then I'm kind of committed to it. And I, maybe I should just drag my feet here because I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to take the risk of going all in on this. I don't know if I'm ready to step out and say, yeah, sure, I'm going to do this. But Peter and Andrew, in this moment, they, they have no hesitation. The Bible tells us that Jesus calls to them and he says, follow me. And immediately they left their nets. They left the thing that they were doing. They left the thing that they had built their life around, the profession that they held. They left it there and said, okay, we will follow you. Jesus doesn't give them any indication of where they're going or what's going to happen, but he says, they say, okay, we will follow you. In, these two sto in this, this, this story here, though, these two sets of people that we see, though, the response isn't only prompt, it's also complete. We move on in this story and we see two other, we see James and John are sitting there with their father and Peter and Andrew, they step up and they leave what they're doing and they step out immediately. But, but James and John, it even goes a step further. James and John, as we read about them, it tells us, it says, going on, he saw two brothers. They were, they were in the boat with their father. They're in the boat with the person who raises them, who taught them all these things. And we see that their response to follow Jesus, it is prompt. Once again, they say, it says Jesus, they, they called and immediately they left their boat and they followed him. But their response isn't just prompt. In this situation, it's complete. They leave everything behind. They even leave their father in the boat working on their net. 
They leave him with other people. We see in Mark chapter 1, we see that there are some other people there with them who are working alongside them. But they leave it all. They drop all of it to follow him. Their response is not only prompt, but it's complete. They say nothing that we have around is going to hold us back. Nothing that that we have sitting in front of us, nothing that we've been doing is going to hold us back from this call to follow you. In the book of Luke, um, chapter 9, there's an interaction with Jesus and some people where this guy comes to Jesus and, and he says, Jesus, what do I have to do to follow you? What do I need to do to be someone who follows you? And Jesus lays out a scenario of following the rules and, and following the law and all these things. And the guy begins to feel really good about himself. And he says, Jesus, I've done these things since I was a kid. And Jesus responds to him and he says, well, sell everything you own and follow me. And the story ends in kind of a, a, a weird way, something that we're not really expecting when we read it because the man turns and walks away and the Bible tells us that, that he struggled with this decision because He was a man of many possessions. We see later in scripture where Jesus is once again talking with people and they they ask him, they say, Jesus, what must we do to follow you? What do we have to do to be your followers? And one guy comes to him and says, I want to follow you. He says, but first I need to go and I need to take care of some things in my house. I need to get some of my my affairs in order and I need to make sure that things are are lined up so that uh, everything can continue to function while I'm gone. There's another guy who says, hey, I have a family matter that I need to take care of, and I need, to, I need to get this done, and I need to do this. And Jesus, in this story again to these people, it goes in a way that we're not really expecting because Jesus wants these people to understand something, that following him, that it's not only a prompt response, but it's complete. It's, it's a total response of saying, Jesus, there's nothing else. God, there's nothing, there's no but at the end of my sentence. There's no point where I come to and these people, they say, hey, we've done all of these things. We're basically there, but we just need a few more minutes. But I just need to do one more thing, and then I can take that follow me step of all in. If you'll just give me one more day to do this, then I'll commit. And what we see in these moments is that, that follow me, it demands a response, a response that's, that's prompt and a response that's complete because Jesus, he doesn't leave room for anything, any of these other things. He says, follow me. And then he's carrying on. He's ready to go. He doesn't say, follow me. Uh, we'll meet up tomorrow for lunch. And then after that, you know, we'll head out on our way. Jesus calls and there's an immediate and a complete response that happens. And I think in this response, sometimes as as we think about responding to the call to follow Jesus, this response of all in a follow me, we we, we look at the response and we can kind of be overwhelmed by maybe the risk that comes with it. Because as we look at this story, we say, man, I don't don't necessarily know that I want to leave behind, um, you, you know, my profession or what I'm doing or things like that. Because these guys, they're, they're on the Sea of Galilee. They're fishers. The Bible tells us that they were fishermen. And this is what they did, and they walk away from that. And we say, man, I don't, I don't know. That seems weird. Like, I don't know if I want to walk away from what I do. We look at the second part, and we say, I don't, I don't know that I want to walk away from family. I don't, I don't know that I'm, I, I want to commit that. I, I don't know that that's what, as I read this story, it's what I see, and I'm not really sure that that's what I want in this idea of following Jesus. 
Even as we look at, at James and the brother John, um, if, if you look in the story of Mark, it begins to talk about uh, their father and the people that were working for them. And it gives you this idea of some comfort that they had in their lives, a business that they had built, something that they had helped their father put together. And we begin to look at these things and we see the, the, the demand for a response, but also the risk that comes along with it. And I think sometimes it causes us to hesitate on a response. And I'm reminded here in these moments that, that as we read this, I don't believe Jesus is calling these guys to say, hey, um, you know, Peter, if you, uh, if you follow me, you can never fish again. Like you have to commit right now that you will never, ever fish another time in your life. I don't believe that's what Jesus is doing here. I also don't believe as Jesus calls uh, uh, James and John out of the boat with their father that he's saying, hey, and by the way, if you're following me and you're going all in as you get out of the boat, you may want to give them a hug goodbye because that's it. Never again. I, I don't think Jesus is saying that to these guys here. It's not what he's asking and it's not what is asked in a response for us. Sometimes we think about responding to a call to follow Jesus and we become overwhelmed with the risks that we kind of assume or the risks that we kind of say, oh, well, if, if I do this, I'm never going to have this again. I'll never be able to fill in the blank again. This is the end of this if I make this commitment. But the reality of what it is, is Jesus helps these, these guys here in this situation, these disciples, when they commit, when they respond, yes. And they, they, get, they, they say, okay, we understand there's a demand for a response and we are choosing to follow you. Jesus simply takes these things and repurposes them. Jesus simply takes their life and he says, hey, I'm not asking you to give these things up. I'm not asking you to never do these things again or to sacrifice these things totally. What I'm asking you for is to commit to follow me first. I'm asking for a response that when I say follow me, that you're doing that with your whole heart. As your priority number one. Not as something that says, well, you know, if I get around to it, I, I mean, like, when it's convenient, yeah, I'm totally there. Hey, Jesus, as long as you stay in my area, as long as you stay in my zip code, I'm cool. I'm right there with you. But as soon as you start moving into a place of discomfort for me, I'm probably just going to come back to what I know, to what I'm comfortable with. But the call of all in follow me, the call of follow me in these moments is, it seems like simple words, but it changes everything because it demands a response. A response that comes with a risk, but a risk that we have to be willing to take. A risk that we have to be willing to walk into freely. The second thing I think we see from this story is that not only does follow me demand a response from the people who have been called, but it also, it has some requirements. There are requirements that come along with following Jesus. Jesus tells the disciples in this moment, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Again, this is a story that we read and we think about it and you know, you think about fishing for people. It would be kind of weird if I was up here with a fishing pole right now and I was like, hey, let's see what I can uh, find over there. Hey, if you've ever been fishing with a kid before, um, you know what it's like to have a hook flying all over the place around you. And so you read fish for people, fish for men, and you think to yourself, I'm out. I, just a hard pass from me. 
But this is a phrase that's commonly used um, during this time, a fisher of men. It was just another way uh, for Jesus to connect with these people because what he was referring to and what, what happens in this moment is fishers of men was a common phrase. It was used all the time for anyone uh, who was trying to, to bring other people along with them. For anyone who was trying to convince someone or who was trying to bring someone to their side or to see things in their way and then go and tell others. They were commonly referred to as fishers of men. Now they use this phrase because this story takes place in the city of Capernaum. It's right alongside the Sea of Galilee. And guess what a lot of the people in the city did? They were fishers. They knew fishermen. They knew everything about fishermen. And this is where I believe we begin to see some, some requirements of what it means to be fishers of men. Because that's really what Jesus is calling them to in this moment. He's saying, all in, I want you to follow me and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you how to be fishers of men. How to bring other people along in this journey with us. So I think there are some things that we can learn about what it requires, what it takes of someone to follow Jesus, what it takes to say, Jesus, I'm committing to follow you, but not just in quiet in my home or by myself, or if someone comes directly to me and looks me dead in the eyes and say, do you believe in Jesus? Then maybe I'll have engage in a conversation with them, but follow me. It goes to that next step of saying, I'm committing to follow you and letting you transform my life so that I begin to tell others about you. I begin to share with others the things that you have done for me. I think if we look at the life of a fisherman, there are some things that we can apply to sharing the gospel with others that we can apply in our own lives and say, hey, if, if we practice these things, we'd probably get pretty good at sharing the gospel with people. We see simply from this, the, the first thing we see is that, that fishermen, that they're hard at work. If you've ever been around people who fish, they, they, they're normally doing a couple of things. They're either fishing or getting ready to go fish or cleaning up from going fishing. It's kind of how it goes. And it's what we see here. We see that Peter and Andrew, they're in the middle of fishing. They are in the process of working. They're not just sitting around with their feet in the water, uh, hanging out on the side of their boat, but they're, they're hard at work at what they do. The same thing with James and John. They're in a different part of the process, but once again, we find them working at their craft, working at what they're doing. And I believe if we thought about that for just a moment and we thought about the requirement of being fishers of men in our lives that a call to follow Jesus isn't just about me following, but it's about me becoming someone who encourages others to follow. Me being someone who lives my life on mission and says, I am going to actively participate and bringing other people alongside me to follow him is hard work. It's not something that, that we can take a break from. It's not something that I believe you can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a couple months off. I did really good last week. I caught a bunch of fish last week. And so I think I've earned some off time. I think I've earned some time where I can just kind of sit around and put my feet up and say, hey, you know what? I, listen, I share the gospel with somebody this month. Like, check, I'm good, let me carry on. For a fisherman, it was a lifestyle. It was everything that they did revolved around working hard at being the best at what they were doing, at what they were called to do. For a believer, the same thing takes place in our life, that it's hard work, but it's something 
that we can work hard and see results in of sharing the gospel with others. Not only does being a fisherman require hard work, but I believe it, 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 requires, uh, it, it requires a lot of patience. Not a great fisherman because I'm not a very patient person. Got to be honest with you. I've sat on many a lake in very, very hot temperatures and thought, this is the worst decision I have ever made in my life. I have thrown this line 10,000 times, and I don't even know if I've gotten a bite because I'm so frustrated that I'm out here. I just want to go home. I, I got spoiled when I was young. We, um, I, I had an opportunity to go uh, on like a charter boat, you know, out in, in the Gulf and, and do like some deep sea fishing. And, and those guys, that, that's the way to fish. They literally drive you to a spot. They say, stand at the edge of the boat, drop your line over the boat and count to a number in your head. They tell you a number, they say, count 15 and then stop it. And boom, you have a fish. You reel it in, put it in the boat. And they say, drop it 10 more seconds. Boom, another fish and go. That's the way to fish. If you want to fish, that's the way to do it. I went with a guy. Uh, we went fishing um, here, and we, were, uh, we got ready to leave, and we were driving to put the boat in, and we got ready to go, and I was asking him, I said, oh, you know, how did you, how did you find these places that you fish in? How did you, you know, like, where, did you, where do you go? How do you know where to go? What are you looking for? Stuff like that. And the guy said, well, to be honest with you, I, I don't really have any... I don't really know. I just kind of go out and fish and sort of catch some sometimes and don't catch some sometimes. It was at that moment that I thought to myself, I have made a very serious mistake in what the, the next six to seven hours are going to look like for me. And so sure enough, we went out and we fished for hours and hours and we caught nothing. I mean, zero fish. And the crazy thing was, is we had fished for all these hours and we had, I mean, I can't even describe to you how nothing we had caught. Like, I, I know that nothing is nothing, but it, it felt worse than that. I don't know how, but it was bad. But we kept fishing, and we kept fishing, and we kept fishing. And finally, at the very end of the day, we caught one fish. It was a celebration. We had finally caught one. And sometimes sharing the gospel requires patience. I, I, I've spoken with people. We've heard stories. You have talked to people who they, they, they'll share with you. Hey, I started sharing the gospel with my coworker the first day of work. And I worked at that job for 15 years, and I faithfully shared the gospel with this person. And then they finally decided that they would come to church with me. And it may seem like a small victory, but for a person who has patiently persevered and said, you know what, I'm not giving up on this. I will see this through. As we think about that, we think about kind of in our world we're kind of conditioned to not be very patient with a lot of things. Sometimes we can even fool ourselves into thinking, hey, you know what, I can get away with this if I share the gospel with my coworker, if I tell my coworker about Jesus, if I invite my coworker to church with me one time and they say no, guess what, I'm done, I'm good. I did my part and they said no, my hands are free. I am now free from this obligation that I have. But what we learn from this idea, this thought of being a fisher of men, is that it takes hard work and it, it takes patience. It takes time sitting in a boat and throwing a line over and over and over and over in hopes of maybe catching a fish. In hopes of maybe one day that conversation around a water cooler changes for some reason. 
You never know when something's going to change in someone's life, and that moment during your lunch break or walking down the hall when you say, hey, listen, how's, how's, how's life going? Hey, why don't, why don't you come to church with me this weekend? You never know what may have changed in someone's life where suddenly patience pays off and they say, you know what, I could really use that. You know, it's been a struggle for me lately, and I'm so thankful that you have, you've always been there for me, and I'm so thankful for that, so I'll go. We never know when patience pays off. Not, not only does uh, fishing or, or a fisherman, does it take hard work and does it take patience, but I tell you, I, re I really think that um, fishing, it, it, takes, it takes a real sense of courage. Uh, these guys, I, I, I have to admit something to you guys. I've told the kids upstairs this multiple times, so a lot of y'all probably know this already. Um, I can't swim, like, at all. It's, I didn't grow up around water. No, nobody I knew really had a pool or anything like that. And, and so I, I can't swim. I, 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 listen, I see the looks a lot of you are giving me in here right now. The lights aren't that bright. I can definitely see you guys looking at me. And the looks of confusion and, like, Oh my goodness, who is this alien that's standing in front of us right now? Um, I, I know, I totally get it, I totally understand. It's not a big deal. I, if you throw me over the edge of a boat, I won't like immediately drown. Like it's not, it's not as bad as it sounds, but I can't swim. It's not really something that I've ever done in my life. And, and so uh, for me, I look at people who go out on boats and sometimes I'm just like, yo, why? That's a lot of water. What, what would you do if it like, something went bad? What, why? I see videos of people out on boats and going over huge waves and through all these things for the sake of fishing, and I just think to myself, these people are different. There's something wrong with these people. I don't know if they were out fishing one day and fell and hit something with their head and it like jostled something loose, and so now they just say, eh, whatever, we'll be fine. But it takes courage to to step out into a boat and to go. It takes courage to, to bring other people along with you. It takes courage to go to a spot and say, we are going to catch fish at this spot. It takes courage to leave your house and say, I'm bringing dinner home tonight no matter what. There are a lot of things that take courage about, about fishing, and I believe that sharing the gospel falls right into this. It takes courage. It's easy for us to live our lives and, and to convince ourselves or to, to talk ourselves out of opportunities to share the gospel with others. It's easy for us to say, ah, oh, man, they really don't want me to bother them with this. It's easy for us to say, ah, oh, man, we're such good friends. I, I really don't want to risk this. I don't know if I should really even bring this up. There, there are all these excuses that we can do to get ourselves out of sharing the gospel, that we can, we can reason away this call to follow me and become fishers of men. But I believe that it's worth it for us to take that courage, for us to have courage and take a stand in those moments because the final thing that we see today is that not only does follow me demand a response, not only does it have requirements that come along with it, but, but I believe that, that the call to follow me, that in the end it delivers a reward. As we see these verses, Jesus is calling these men not just to a single moment in time. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I need you to follow me down to the store real quick and I have a job for you and then you can go back to whatever you're doing. Jesus says, follow me and it's a commitment for life. It's a commitment that changes the rest of the trajectory on these guys' lives and what they're doing and what they're about. It comes with a reward of an eternal purpose that 
No longer are they simply sitting by the Sea of Galilee being people who fish, but he says, I'm going to change what you do. I'm going to change your purpose from being something of surviving day to day and doing your job and getting by to something that's going to change the rest of your life. That when you make a commitment to follow me, it's not just for today, it's not just for tomorrow, it's not just when you're around certain people, but it's a commitment that says, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. This is a commitment that I'm making, and it's going to change who I am forever. It's not just an eternal purpose, but these men, they, they become part of the mission. What I love about this story is Jesus then takes these guys and brings them alongside him, and they work together. They carry on together. There are more disciples who are called later. There's a crowd that follows Jesus, and they work together. Sometimes as a believer, it's, it's easy when you, when you make that commitment to follow Jesus, it's easy to feel isolated. It's easy to feel like in your workplace or in your home or around your friends or in our city or whatever it might be, it's easy to begin to feel like, man, it's just me. I am the only person here that is dealing with these things. I'm reminded in the Old Testament, we read the story a guy named Elijah, and Elijah goes before the Lord, and Elijah, he's hiding, and God comes to Elijah, and he says, why are you hiding? And he says, because in all the world, I am the only person who is following you. And I have to think in a moment like that, that Elijah, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a brave thing to think, that I am the only person in the world that is dealing with this. It's kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> settle down. But sometimes we can begin to feel that way. We can begin to feel isolated, but the reward from following him is that we become part of a mission together, that we have been given a purpose and a purpose, a purpose that is accomplished better together. People who are in the room today, people that are watching online, that we are on mission together towards an eternal purpose when we commit to follow him and be all in with our lives. And then what we see from these guys is that the last part of this reward is the reward that was delivered is, is a legacy of faith. Something that I think is so important for each one of us to consider. For each one of us to think about in our lives as we think about what are we leaving behind? See, the, the four disciples in this moment, as they were called to follow them, they knew the reward that was coming was the impact and the influence that they would leave. And as I think about it today, it resonates with me for our church, our community, our city, the places that we are, that this commitment to follow him matters. Yes, it does demand a response. And for some of us today, maybe it's the first time we've ever thought about, man, following him is, is more than just saying, okay, yeah, sure. It's a response and a step forward by faith. Saying, you know what? I see that this is time for me to either commit. It's time for me to respond. It's time for me to either step up and say, yes, this is what I'm doing. Or maybe this isn't for me. And the reality of it is, is there's a response that's demanded. There are requirements to fill. The response, when we choose to follow him, when, when we choose to allow ourselves to go all in and for our life to be changed forever, there are requirements for that. There are things that we then begin to do in our lives that we begin to live in a way that says, hey, my life, it's not just about what I want or about how I want to live it. 
but it's taking steps to say, how can I influence others? All in isn't just about me, it's about the people around me. It's about bringing them along this journey with me. Because one day, here and later, there's a reward. And I think when we begin to think about an eternal reward for a lot of us, we, we look at our lives and we think about the, the eternal reward, we think about part of a mission, we think about a legacy of faith, and we look back on that moment of all in. Because there are some of us here who we do, the, the, the response is demanded of us today. There are some of us who are maybe for the first time understanding and thinking, man, these are requirements. This is how I should be living. This is what my life should look like. But I want to tell you a word of encouragement if you're thinking those two things, that if we had time and we could go around the room and I could bring each of you up here, or for some of you who, who say, please don't ever even suggest bringing me up on stage. I, no, 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 no. If I could let you sit in your seat and talk for a moment about a moment in your life where you made that decision, where you said, you know what, I realize that this all in, it's more than just, okay, cool, all in every other weekend, twice a month. It's more than just all in, okay, sure, why not, sometimes when it's convenient for me, but follow me is every day. If we could take you back to that moment and I had time for you to walk around the room and testify, I know what you would say to a person over and over and over. It's worth it. It's the best decision I ever made. That moment of response, it may be scary because there's risk involved, but let me tell you why it was worth it. Yeah, sometimes the requirements are tough. Sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's not what I wanna do. Sometimes it's not what makes me feel the best, but let me tell you about the reward on the other side. Let me tell you about what God has done in my life and how he's changed everything when I responded to his call to follow me. Wherever you may find yourself this morning, if you find yourself in that moment of response saying, man, I need to make a decision. This is my time to say, you know what? I am going all in. I will follow you. Or whether you find yourself in the moment of saying, you know, that I need to make some changes in my life to begin to live out what it means to follow Jesus. Or whether you find yourself in a moment of reflection saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the eternal reward, for the reward that comes from following you. Those are available to you today. The options are there. You've seen what it requires to follow him. And I encourage you now, make that choice. Whatever it might be in this moment as we pray, take time and say, God, thank you for what you've done in me. God, help me to make this decision. God, give me strength to go forward, to respond yes to all in, to follow you and allow you to change everything. Let's pray. God, we love you, and Father, we are so thankful this morning for this call, this simple, simple call to the disciples, a simple call of follow me. Lord, it's a call that is present in all of our lives. It's available to each one of us, and Lord, I pray that today in this room, online, God, that anyone who may be on the fence about that, that may be saying, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if that's something I'm interested in. God, I pray that you would give them boldness, that you would give them courage, God, to, 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 to take that step in their life today. God, I pray for your people that have made that decision, Father, that you would begin to unlock something in them that says, you know what, 
this is what it, this is what being all in calls for in my life. This is what it, what the requirements are for me to live that way and to truly be living that out. God, help me to start doing that today. And God, all of us in this room, we're so thankful for the eternal reward that you promise. God, the promise that you make to us that you'll never leave us and you're always with us, and God, that you have prepared a place for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us live in that today as we go all in and commit to follow you. Amen.